thing that a batter can do is reach home plate. The whole goal is to be able to circle and get home and see the umpire go safe. To be able to get safely home is the goal of every baseball player who comes to the plate. He most certainly doesn't want to strike out, but even if he reaches first or second or third, his goal has not been met until he gets home. A few days ago, Sister Evans went home. She went home. As I reflected on her homegoing and this passage, the principle that dawned on me was the best way to have a life worth lived is to have a death worth dying. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. I know it's been it's been three weeks uh, since I've been uh, since I put a podcast. But man, life is life was happening really quick over here, and uh, uh, thank God for the children, grandchildren going back to school and the teachers going back to school here in California. And you know how California is when it comes to those things. And um, so I got pushed into into a lot of uh, grandpa duties, and uh, and so I have not been able to to um, to podcast and. Uh, and so it's, it's been kind of a little bit frustrating because, you know, you want to say you want to keep the momentum going. But um, I thought, uh, you know, now kind of things are kind of lightening up a little bit. Um, we'll be back to our consistent four to five podcast today. Uh, hopefully the rest of this week and uh, definitely next week uh, we'll get rolling on the 11th commandment uh, Christian and, or the 11th commandment mindset, you know, that we're we that we have been uh uh, pursuing and demonstrating and I pray and you know I pray that you all have been enjoying that and uh, again please subscribe and and uh, share share the podcast because again this is this I'm, I'm giving you what I would call um, theological information on cultural issues you know what God says what the Word of God says what the Bible says not what your favorite preacher says or what I my personal opinion um, I go right to the source um, and and really try to to give meaning to it so that you fall in love with the word of God again so that you fall in love with God's word and not personalities and not, and not people not even not even organizational uh, agendas you know the, you know the missions of the church you know it you know not to fall in love with those things but to fall in love with Christ that that the gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ is just that the gospel of Jesus Christ and we preach the gospel and um, we keep we keep the message rolling and so this today I got a little bit of time so I'm going to give you a thought I preached at uh, El Manuel um, in uh, 
in uh, Houston, Texas on Sunday, and I just I was just able to um, I was just able to scratch the surface on the discussion of Memorial Day and why why the memorials, why do we remember? And uh, you know, when you look at when you look at what the culture is doing, and if you look at the 1619 project and uh, and critical race theory, you have you have the erasing of history. They don't want you to know the truth about history. They don't want you to have memories. That's why they tear down all the statues. That's why they tear down all the memorials. Why? Because memorials are very important. Jo Joshua chapter 4. Okay, they, they crossed over the Red Sea and they were going to put some stones at the bottom so that every time they crossed the Jordan that and they saw the stones, they would remember that God had delivered them and God had promised them. And so we're going to look at me the memorial, the power of a memorial, why history is important. Correct history is important, not rewritten history, but correct history. I mean the, the danger of the danger of the culture today is the fact that they don't know anything beyond 2000. They don't know. They don't know about um, about the devastations of the civil rights movements and the things that the progressions we've made. You know, and how the church has progressed and and how we have how, how we have grown and how we expanded and changed. They don't know those things. They just come in and they they just think it is the way it is and that's where it's going to be. But they don't know how we got there. We don't know how we got there. Some of the some of the youth groups, and, and I constantly would um, would uh, talk to leadership, and I said, "Okay, what is your youth going to build?" I know they're used to they come to the church that's already there. They have no appreciation for building something as a memorial for the next generation. They don't know how to build. They just come in and sit and squat. That's why they leave so easily, because they don't have any attachment to the memory. They have no attachment to that which is, because they haven't contributed. They sit and listen, they sing, they play, they cry, they go home, and then when they go to college, they walk away as if not, as they have no attachment to the past. And the past doesn't have any significance towards them going towards the future. So we're going to be looking at this uh, memorial, why memorials are important, you know, from the Civil War, why the memorial or the Decoration Day was important. From 1865 all the way to 1971, they used to go every Memorial Day, what they used to call it Decoration Day, and decorate the graves of the the great warriors and the and the and the war and the and the soldiers that fought for their freedom and their liberty. They they would go and they would decorate their graves. Civil War was brutal, but freedom, freedom. For freedom's sake, they saw a greater future, and they were willing to die. Just like uh, Tony Evans, the great Dr. Tony Evans, laid out. A life worth living is a life worth dying for. He, made, he makes a baseball analogy there, where he says the goal is to get to home plate. But one of the greatest, one of the greatest things in baseball... And they make millions of dollars doing this. Is if you're able to sacrifice. Can you sacrifice? You can bunt. You sacrifice your at-bat. You sacrifice for the betterment of the team. You take it for the team. You sacrifice your ability to hit for your ability to move a runner over. 
That's a life worth living. And that's a life worth dying for. And so when we look at this uh, Memorial Day, in the context, in the context that even, even our national context gives us, you know, three perspectives from the Civil War and why the Civil War was, was important. Number one, freedom from slavery. And I know there's a lot of people that they're still in their minds, they think they're on the plantation or they think that there's the oppressed and the oppressor hegemony and they, they got the critical race theory that the whole America is racist. They're absolutely nuts. They forget the 1865 to nine, you know, the 1865 Civil War. One of one was from was the freedom from slavery. Number two was state rights. The ability for states to be sovereign and make decisions. And number three, the expansion to the West that we are going to expand and grow. And we can see this, this applicable in spiritual senses that we are free to serve God. That our sovereign God made us sovereignly free to choose and to decide we don't serve a God that is determinative in our lives. In other words, He gave us a free will so that we can choose, which is the which is the which is the reward system. If you don't have the ability to choose, the reward means nothing. But if you choose correctly, that's why that's why God put two two trees in the garden. He said, "Don't eat this one and eat this one. If you eat this one, this you're gonna be blessed. If you eat this one, you're gonna surely die." Why? Because of the free will. So we have a sovereign God that gives us sovereign will so that we can choose. And so when we understand freedom, the ability to choose, the ability to think, the ability to express, our ability to establish and make decisions within our own lives, our state rights, and the expansion toward the West. You know, your life can go wherever it needs to go. You can expand West. You can expand So we, we have this attachment here. We have this attachment to the memorials. To the memorials. The memorial, the definition of memorial, memorial is, is serving to preserve the remembrance. In other words, we, we build this so that we can never, ever forget. Okay, commemorative. A guiding marker. Something that will always, that you can always refocus your life upon. You can always look back and know that something significant happened. That if I, if I honor the, the memory, if I honor the, the faithfulness in like manner that this person had, that I too will have results. So when we start looking at Memorial Day, I, I'm, I'm going to just talk to you a little bit. I'm going to pull a little bit from Hebrews, Timothy, definitely Timothy. I like, I like Hebrews 12, 1, where it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God that's Hebrews 12 1 and 2 well I want you to look here because I just want to extrapolate and pull out um, a few little thoughts on Hebrews 12 1 and 2 I want you to notice the connectivity between between the memory okay the cloud of witnesses, those that gone before us. This is this is beautiful. Okay, 
and your ability to be free. Watch what it says here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a witness, let us lay aside every weight. So my memory, so knowing the landmarks and the memory, I can, I will have the strength because of the memory to lay aside. Okay, so we have, the memory has the ability, the enablement and the empowerment to drive you away from sin and away from poor behaviors. So knowing this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that means those that have went before you, those that have passed on before you. You know, I got I got so many now. My my entire uh, the the Flores, the original Flores uh, uncles that spurned that spawned this 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 uh, generation of Flores brothers and and men and women and and families and I mean it's exploded. I just got back from the family reunion in Houston, Texas, and they were they were um, they were they were members of the family I've never met before. But I do know, I do know how the brothers lived. I do know how the brothers honored God. I do know, and we were all sharing the memories of our of our uncles and their journeys. And and, and it is a very sobering fact. That if I know that they're watching me, if I know that the voice of my mother, the, 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 the cloud of witnesses, those that have passed on before me, they gave us life lessons. They gave us, they gave us landmarks of faith, especially those that have lived godly and would not compromise. Guess what? Their message is still their messages still live on in us. Those are memories. Those are memorials. Those are those are uh, those are um, ideas and thoughts that empower you to lay aside every weight of sin, everything that besets you. You want you want to start changing your life. Start thinking correctly. Start having the right memories. Memories drive behaviors. This is what the scripture is telling you. Since you have such a crowd of witnesses, and I and trust me, my, my uncles were men of God. And God blessed the family because of their because of their faithfulness to his word, his church, his purposes, his plans. You could see it in the family, you could see it in the net in his sons and, and their families and the, the grandchildren now and, and the extensions. You can see the blessings of God. I mean, it, it's an amazing thing. What, what we were able to witness. But guess what? We live, and the Christians should live, knowing that those that went before us are looking at us and cheering us on. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race which is set before us, looking unto Jesus. What is one of the greatest lessons I've learned about our families that we've learned to look unto Jesus? Looking unto Jesus. Every one of those men, those uncles, the family members, the people that have gone before you, the ones that inspired you, the ones that, that did great things for God, always knew how to look unto Jesus. And so those 
are some of the, the aspects of memorials when you think of somebody? You know, when I think of my mother, I know how she lived by faith. I, I can't I can't live weekly. I can't live a weak Christian life. I cannot walk away from challenges of faith. I can't do that. My mom didn't teach. Why? Because the memory, I have to honor the memory with what? Laying aside doubt, laying aside fear, laying aside anxieties, laying aside all the excuses and embracing faith, embracing the, the, the word of God like they did. But I lay it aside. I lay all the sins, all the weights, I lay it aside because I got a race to run. See, in order for you and I to really endure this life, you got to understand it's a race. It's a marathon. We don't know when it's going to end, but we do know one thing. We got to run. We got to run with endurance. Endurance means to get under the pressure. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be suffering. I'm going to get into that in a, in a minute, okay, as I, talk, as I talk about Timothy. So we have this cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before you. So if you are sitting at home, if you're listening to this podcast today, I want you to start going into your memory bank. There's some memorials that you need to get rid of because they drive you into depressions. They drive you into, into areas of life that just are very dark. But then there are those memorials, those memories that, that will cause you to rise up in faith, cause you to rise up in, in the love of God, to cause you to thrive. Guess what? Get a hold of those. Remember those ones. Pick those ones. Because what do they do? They cause you and they inspire you to lay aside all the sin that so easily besets us. Amen. So let, let's let's continue here. Now we're going to pick up with Timothy. Okay, Second Timothy chapter two four. Second uh, Timothy four six through eight. It says this: For I am ready to be poured out. Now Paul is getting ready to go. If you read first, if you read First Timothy, it's far it's far um, it's far different. From 2 Timothy, watch this. For I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. In other words, I'm getting ready to join the cloud. I'm getting ready to go away. Now watch what he says here. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also those who have loved his appearing. Those who have loved his appearing. Not only to me. In other words, what he's saying is that, look, man, I lived in such a way. I'm ready to go. I fought. I, I, I finished my course. I finished. I'm done. And I'm not afraid. I'm going up to the cloud. I'm going to go get my crowd because, guess what? I'm not afraid of his appearance. See, Jesus is coming. He's coming again. And some of us got to get used to the fact that guess what? It's, it's, it's appointed once for man to die. And Paul says, hey, I'm appointed to die. I'm not going to live forever. You're not going to live forever. And guess what? You are to live in order to inspire your next generation. You are to live. And this is what Paul is doing to Timothy. He goes, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm getting a crown. And if you love the Lord's appearing, you're going to get your crown too. Your crown too. It's just not for me because I wrote, you know, I wrote uh, two-thirds of the New Testament. It's not for me just because I, I was an instrument of God. It's for those, it's for those that love is appearing. It's for those that know he's coming again and embrace the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel and the message. 
and faithfully towards him. So here we have this idea now that Paul is not afraid to join the crowd because he knows, he knows that that eternal life is his. He knows the crown of life is his. He knows. But he's giving Timothy a charge. Now let's let's look at 2 Timothy chapter chapter 1, 5 through 8. Okay, now this is how 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 the cloud of witnesses. This is how people influence us. This is how your family, your mother, your father, you know, this is how your aunts, your uncles, those around you inspire you. Watch this. 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 8. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, the genuine faith that's in you, okay, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, for I am persuaded it is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of his prisoners, but share with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. So here's what I want you to understand. When Paul is writing this letter, he knows he's not coming back to see um, Timothy again. He knows this is it for him. He's not getting out of prison again. There's no jailbreak. Okay. I mean, I think if this is me, I, I'm sitting there going, well, I'm, I'm, I want the same people that prayed for Peter when Peter was going to get uh, was going to get um, uh, strung up um, in in the book of Acts. I, I want that. I want that church praying for me. You know, no, Paul, that would have been me. I've been looking for a way out and saying, okay, there, there has to be a deliverance here. Paul says, no, no, I, I know I'm, I'm at the finish line. I'm not coming out of this. I'm going forward into glory. Okay. I'm going to join the cloud of witnesses. I'm going to go. But, but, Timothy, there's something in you which is faith, genuine, pure faith. There was also in what? Your family line, your grandmother. And your mother, your grandmother and your mother. This is important for you to understand that your family setting, this is why Satan tries to destroy the family. This is to destroy faith, to destroy um, the, the, the continuity of family. He says here, you, it was in your grandmother Lois, and I know it was in your mother, and I know it's in you. In other words, he was putting a demand on his heritage. He was putting a demand on the knowledge he received through others. Because Paul says, "I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a memory pretty soon. I'm going to be a memorial pretty soon. I'm going to be in. The, I'm only going to be able to be thought of pretty soon." You can't touch me anymore. You can't come and sit down with me anymore. But I'm going to be an influencer of thought for you. I'm going to be a memorial for you if you think about how I lived. And again, Paul in 2 Timothy, read 2 Timothy. It's all about Paul following the patterns of Paul. Of Timothy following the patterns of Paul. Paul says this. Paul, actually this letter, uh, in a nutshell, it, it really says this. Hey, Timothy. I'm getting ready to die, and I want you to be faithful to the scriptures. I'm gonna get, okay, I want you to be faithful to the scriptures. And guess what? And after you're faithful to the scriptures, you're going to die too. They're going to get you too, but that's all right. I know some people don't like that because we're in the West, and uh, we have this comfort gospel. 
where everything's going to be peaches and cream, mega churches, and, and you're going to be the star of the show and fog lights and, and, and you know, skinny jeans and tight t-shirts and, and, and cute little, cute little, um, cute little guys with, with, you know, whatever. And that, and if anything happens, if you get hurt or discouraged, you just, you just walk away. No, Paul, Paul tells Timothy, Hey, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. But you have, you have faith that was passed down by your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know it's in you. And then what does he then what does he tell you? Stir up the gift. That Greek word stir up. Anazoprio. Anazo ana means repeat. Okay? In other words, repeat. Zo. The word zo is where you get the word zoology from, which means the animal inside of you. So your faith is an animal inside of you. You need to do something repetitive. And the last word is to kindle or to put it on fire. That's where you get the word pyro from. Anazoprio. Anazoprio. You're going to light yourself on fire. Don't let the fire, don't let the fire burn. Why? Because there's a faith in you. There, there is a deposit from your parents. You got the gospel right. You're not gonna backslide. You're not gonna go down. But guess what, Timothy? Sometimes you you came a little bit soft. But when you feel afraid, when you feel timid, when you feel like like you don't you, that you're not up to the task. Guess what? There's an animal inside of you that if you repeatedly lay hands on yourself and have the elders lay hands on you, it'll stir up anazoprio that animal inside of you. Every born-again believer has an animal of faith inside of them, a calling of God inside of them, that you need to lay hands on each other. You need to, you need to lay, have hands laid on you and stir up the fire again. Paul's telling Timothy here, I'm leaving. You're not going to have me to physically inspire you. You're going to have to learn how to have hands laid on you. And when the fire seems to be dimming, you need to repeat this process. Ana means to repeat. Zo is the animal, the, the, the beast inside of you. Pyro of the fire. Because if you lay hands on you, the beast comes alive and turns into fire for you. This is an amazing concept for the gift of God. Those of you that, that, that suffer from, from um, self-identity. You know, one day you feel like a man of God. The next day you're, you're down in the dumps. Well, lay your hands on yourself. Have somebody lay hands on you, an anointed man of God. Have them lay hands on you. Constantly stay in prayer. Why? Because it fires up and it stirs up the fire and the animal inside of you. Satan Satan had, cannot deal with a born-again believer that is confident that if, if, that if they are prayed up, stirred up, and on fire, they cannot be stopped. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy. Because Timothy is going to get rough out there. It's going to get tough out there. Because what is the gospel? What was, what was Timothy's charge? What was Paul, well, not necessarily Timothy's charge, but what was Paul's concern about Timothy? And because again, Paul's going to go up to be a memory, part of the memorial, part of the cloud of witnesses. He's no longer going to be there to manage and monitor the, the, the temperature of the apostolic movement. And those that are under him, Timothy and Titus and, and all, the, all, the, 
others that he was influencing throughout um, uh, minor Asia. He's now going to be a memory. He's now going to join the cloud of witnesses. So he's getting this urgent message. He's telling Timothy, he's giving them prescription. Have hands laid on you. When you don't feel up to it, when you don't feel right, when, when you got issues that you're dealing with, lay hands on because there's a beast inside of you that comes alive and comes on fire. So I says, God is not giving you the spirit of fear. The word fear is the Greek word dalia. Not phobia. Phobia is, ooh, there's an ant on the floor. Ooh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there, I, I'm afraid of heights. I don't want to go on planes because I'm afraid that the planes, that, that's a phobia. But the word dalia is the Greek word coward. In other words, Nero is out there killing Christians. Nero is going to kill me. I'm going to die at the hands of Nero. That's what Paul's saying. And you may die at the hands of Nero also, but you can't be a coward. You may have to preach the gospel, but you can't be a coward. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of Christians that preachers that are cowards. They look at the scripture and they look they look they they look on how they, they can water it down because you know it's too hard on the people. I don't you know I don't want to I don't want to offend people. I don't want listen stop it. The Bible is offensive enough if they read it. You're not going to help them. The Bible doesn't need any help by you by you throwing yourself in there and say I'll, I'll be offensive. Get out of the way. Of the Bible. Just preach the word and you'll offend people. The Bible will. You know, I, I love it when Christians say, you know, pastors say, well, you know, I, I don't preach on abortion. I don't preach on I don't preach on homosexuality and the LBGTQ, and I stay away from racism, and I stay away from all these topics that that you know that are affecting my people. From the culture and from the media, I, I, I don't trust because I don't want to be political. Do you know that all those topics are in the Bible? What Bible are you reading? And when you come to First uh, Corinthians chapter six, when you come to Jude, verse six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, when you go in, when you go into Genesis, when you go into your Bible. And you have to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah and homosexuality and the destruction of. And you, you decide to tiptoe through the tulips, you now become a politician. You cease to be a preacher. A preacher sticks to the script. Sticks to the word. Sticks to the language. I know, but we're so progressive. We've progressed from that. Those are antiquated thoughts and antiquated ways. Cut it out. Man up, stand up. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. I mean, look, look, look at the message of Timothy. That Paul leaves Timothy. Paul saying, "Look, man, I'm going. I'm going to get my head chopped off." <laughs> and guess what? I want you to preach the gospel. And guess what? They're going to get you too. <laughs> Welcome. Listen, listen. You got to start looking at the Bible soberly. You got to start looking at the Bible for what it is. It's God's word. It's graphic. I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus calls his twelve disciples, and what does he call when he calls when he calls the disciples? He says, "Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men." Right? Remember that one? He didn't. He didn't call them in and say, "Hey, follow me," and you're gonna be hung upside down. You're gonna be tormented. You're gonna be beat. No, he says, "I'm gonna make you fishers of men." God never tells you the end. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I. I 
I often look at um, Paul's Paul's uh, Paul's prophecy. Okay, Paul gets caught, gets knocked off, gets gets um, gets knocked to the ground in Acts chapter nine, right? And then God gets a godly man by Ananias and says, "Hey, I want you to go tell tell Paul or Saul." I want you to tell him all the things he's going to suffer for my namesake. <laughs> see, see, why didn't Jesus just tell him that on the on the ground? He was like, no, he waited a few days, wait for Paul's completely committed, wait for Paul for whatever that process, and then God, God says, okay, now when the prophetic word comes in, let him know it's going to be tough. And no, it's going to be difficult. So when Paul's, when you look at all, when you look at Paul's journey, beaten up, thrown, Paul never complained. He says, it's part of the plan. It's part of the plan. The problem with the church is we don't suffer well. And if you don't learn to suffer well, that means get under the natural processes of life where suffering takes place, where sometimes you get sick, but there's healing available to you, Right? When you lose jobs or things happen, the enemy attacks. Those are sufferings. Those are constant sufferings. Someone disappoints you and hurts you and, 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 and discourages you and you're suffering un under certain things. <laughs> See, there's a difference between suffering and persecution. See, persecution will stop if you compromise. That's why Jesus says, blessed are those that are there's a persecutor for righteousness sake. In other words, even let them keep the heat on as long as you don't compromise. See, the, see, the culture wants you to compromise everything. Compromising will stop calling you a bigot. Compromising will stop calling you square. Just compromise. Just do what we do. Just, just let it go. You see, there's a difference between persecution. Because persecution can stop. Suffering will never stop. There's going to be suffering in life. There's going to be there's going to be difficult things that we face that cause us to suffer. So we we, we never get over this the, the human element this the the, um, the the fallen nature. However, persecution's different. You can choose not to be persecuted. You can choose. We saw this with the pandemic. How many how many pastors stood up and says, we will not close our doors. We will not bend to the government. We will not. They got persecuted. They got called on, they were on CNN. They were on all the news. They were, and then you had all the compliant ones. Okay. okay because we want, to, we want the culture to think that we're, we're normal and nice and we're, we're caring and we're Look, I get it. Pastors, you make all the reasons why you do what you do. It's your church. You do. You do you. You do what was best for your situation. However, when you start looking at why you did what you did, why you wouldn't stand up, why we put our face masks on, why we shut our churches down, why we went 100% virtual, because the government said so. Because, and we didn't stand up and say, no, no, you don't have, the church belongs to God. I belong to God. Therefore, my decisions come from God, not from you. We don't obey the government. We obey God. 
I know, I know. That that sounds different. That sounds totally different. I know. It's not nice. Because we want the community to think that we're normal and we're sane and, and, and we're, we are a safe place. But, do we obey God's word or do we obey God? So many churches, they didn't get persecuted by the city. They didn't get persecuted by the... Because it, because they just silently complied. See, you're, you're ultimately going to lose what you compromise for. So, let's look at the backlash that's going to take place in the church later. Let's see what else they're going to take away from us. Because the church has been compliant to the government. Which, in our constitution, is wrong. And do you know that those churches that stood up, they are now, they have been vindicated by the Supreme Court. Do you know that? That our Constitution. So the ones that fought it won and the ones that didn't wonder what we're really going to lose. Did we lose our theology? How do you preach? How do you preach that Jesus Christ is the healer of all sicknesses and diseases? Except for Corona. Except. See, there's suffering and then there's persecution. Persecution can be stopped by a choice. Okay, I'll comply. Just leave me alone. What do you think they did to Peter and John? Hey, we'll let you go. We're going to beat you a little bit. We're going to persecute you a little bit. But hey, don't preach in that name. If you preach in that name. They say, what, are we going to obey God or are we going to obey man? Right? So you you have this you have this intertwined in 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 Paul's writing where suffering is there. Second Timothy because Paul is concerned because he's going to join the cloud of witnesses. He's getting ready to leave Timothy. He does, he's not going to be able to say Timothy, come to me so I can talk to you and look to you in the face. He goes, no Timothy, you're going to have to be able to stir up the gift inside of you. I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be a a lamppost. I'm going to be a memory where you think of how I did things and know that if you follow those things, you're doing right. You're doing it great. You're doing what God has called you to do. He says, watch this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. He says, now you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these things to faithful men. What is Paul's concern? Number one, he's concerned to preserve the gospel. Preserve the message. Don't, don't pull it. Preserve it. The way I taught it, the way I've done it, the way I preach it. Okay, That's why Paul writes in Galatians, if any man preaches any other gospel except that what I preach, let him be accursed. Writes, Paul writes in Corinthians on the Holy Communion, that which I received of the Lord, therefore I give unto you. What's he saying? I received my gospel from the Lord. Galatians is full of it. I mean, do your study. I'm just giving you this Memorial Day thing on, on how memories drive you to godliness. Memories will cause actions to be changed. Commitments to those memories. Commitments to how your mother, your father lived. It's one of the greatest atrocities when, when great men of God, they're, they're, they, they, they pass away, they move on to heaven, and, and, and they're in glory. 
And then the family begins to dissipate from faith. They begin to stop. They begin to stop preaching. They begin to stop teaching. They be, they they stop going to church. All of a sudden, they have incorporate different things into their lifestyles. They had their father been there, had their mother been there, they never would have done it. That's why Paul calls Timothy. Look, you got the faith of your mother, your mother uh, Eunice, and your grandmother you. Lois, I'm demanding that out of you. We have to start making demands on the faith that is deposited in our hearts from great men of God that we've been involved in that pass it on. That's why there's certain things that we can never do because of the great heritage of our faith. Paul, Paul makes that direct connection to Timothy. You come from good stock. You come from faith. You come from, you come from people that got it and got it right. Not from flaky churchgoers. Not from those that, that think Jesus is, 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 a, is a, just a good guy. So Paul writes here and says, and says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1-4, through 4, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace of God and the things that you have heard from me among witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. So Paul is concerned about the gospel being passed on to faithful men. Faithful men. They will not change the gospel. They will not change the message. They will not water it down. They will not just, you know, say, well, you know what? That's what Paul said. But we feel it says this. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the gospel needs to be chain commanded. In other words, a chain has links. So we need to link it to our generations, our children. This is why the family is so important. This is why you have to have discussions with your family. Hey, where do you stand on faith? What do you believe about this? You know, discuss the cultural issues. Discuss all the, all the things that are going on in the media when you see something on TV that is straight out of Marxism. This straight out of this straight out of racism. That's straight out of, of the LGBTQ. I mean, you can't even turn on the TV anymore. Even if when they're selling pharmaceuticals, all of a sudden it's all about the LGBTQ. You go into the army, you know, you see recruiting videos now from the army. And and what do you have? You got critical race theory. Where where they have all these all these crazy things, you know, from the LGBTQ to to you name you name it, all the all their agendas are pushed through the system of the media now. You can't get away from. It. Have you have a discussion with it? Why? Why is that important? Because Roman, the book of Romans, chapter one says that they did not retain God in their knowledge. See, we got to learn to retain the knowledge of God from generation to generation. No, I don't want my son to know the gospel the way he wants to know it. I want him to know the gospel the way my father gave it to me, the one that saved me, the one that kept me, the one that, that brought the word of God to my understanding. I want my sons to know the gospel that way. I want to echo it to them. The word retain is the Greek word echo. Look at Romans chapter 1. What Paul says is that God gave them up for a reprobate mind because they refused to retain God in their knowledge. We have a generation and a church that does not retain God in their knowledge. They don't retain God in science. They don't retain God in, in their human relationships. They don't retain God's knowledge. They come to church, though. They come to church. But they don't believe that God, is, God created heaven and the earth. God created man and woman. They don't, create, they don't believe all that. They believe all the... All the stuff that the, the crazy professors teach them. We have to we have to echo the gospel into our families. We have to re-echo this. 
Yes, you have to have discussions with them. You have to tell them. That's what Paul's doing in Timothy. Watch this. He says that they may teach others. You must endure hardship as a good soldier. Now, why do you say you, you, you will endure hardship as, you know, you know a, a good preacher? Why do you use soldier? Because see, a soldier, a soldier doesn't have a will. He has a mission. A soldier doesn't pick his assignments. He's given his assignments, his call. A soldier doesn't, you know, doesn't pick his training, his general or his or his captain or, or who, his drill sergeant puts that out for him. This is very, very significant. He says, endure hardship like a good soldier. In other words, when it gets tough, don't jump out of the foxhole. Stay there. Get under it. Endure. Endure means to get under the pressure. Get under the pressure and stay there as a soldier. You're taking fire right now. So what? Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear this. Endure hardship. In other words, suffering. So Paul says, so Paul's uh, thing is this. Okay? Number one, preserve the gospel. Pass it on. Number two is to proclaim it, preach it, constantly preach it. And number three is to endure. In other words, don't quit just because it gets tough. Get under the pressure and fight. Get under there and fight. Why? Because of the memories of those that went before us. The cloud of witnesses, the ones that fought this battle and fought it valiantly. If you look at, I don't want to get too far ahead, but if you look at Hebrews 11, then you'll know why Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 makes sense. Okay, that's why I gave that to you. Okay, he says this, you must endure hardship as a good soldier. No one engaged in the warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. The word enlist means to be called in. You've been called into this. He says, and don't, don't try to live like the culture lives. Don't try to live like the world lives. Don't entangle yourself with all the craziness of, of this generation. I love what Acts chapter 2, um, I believe it's verse 42 or verse 40 to verse 42, where Peter preaches the great, the great message of Pentecost. And then he says this, gentlemen, gentlemen, get out of this crazy culture. Get out of this crazy generation, this wicked generation. See, you can be in church, but entangled in the wicked generation. What is the generation saying it's, it's good? What's the generation doing? And the church just embraced it. See, my concern is not that the fact that, that, the, that the church is in the world. My concern now is that the world is now in the church. That's my concern. My concern is that we're doing things that, that were never accepted by the cloud of witnesses before. Oh, but we've progressed. Yeah, you can do things better. But are we really better? Okay? I'm getting ready to close out here. How do we do this thing? Okay? How do we do this? You see, I have too great of a heritage. You have too great of a heritage. 
Maybe some of you are the start of your heritage. How do you want, how do you want your, your life to be echoed to the next generation? Should Jesus tarry and we do not see him, are you going to echo the message? Are you going to lay stones down for the people around you and says, on this place, God saved my family. On this place. Why do you think, why do you think we have Passover so that the people will never forget? The Jewish people would never forget what God had done for them and how he delivered them out of the, uh, away from Pharaoh. How they crossed the Red Sea. How they walked in, in the desert. How all that is part of never forget a memorial. You will do this. Read Exodus. You will do this every single year for generations to come that they will never, ever forget. What are we doing that are in our families? What are we doing as fathers? What are we doing as, as leaders in our church that our membership will never forget what God has done for them and how he's done it? Should we move on? Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says this. Okay? And now I'm going to finish off with 11, Hebrews 11, uh, 35. Now faith is the substance. We all know this, right? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For, for by it, by what? By faith. Living by the unseen. Okay? Living by the unseen. Now this is where many of the, what I would call the reformed theologians... Okay, they, they shoot themselves in the foot because they don't believe in the supernatural, the, mirror, the, the miracles work today, and God moving by the Spirit today, speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. They don't believe in this stuff. They don't believe in the Scripture. They don't believe. They think it passed away. The sensationists, that's, that's part of the Reformation thing. Reformed theology. Not all of it's bad. A lot of it is good in its Christology and um, and creation in hermeneutics is good, but they deny certain things. That that's very dangerous. Also, that's why the Pentecostals got to incorporate both sides of it. Okay, it, it's 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 kind of confusing to some. They will just listen to certain guys. You listen to MacArthur and you listen to you listen to other guys, and then you come on the other side and you listen to the all the Pentecostals. Believe God. God can do anything. God will do anything for you. All you gotta do is ask and receive and, and you know cast out devils and all that. Okay. Incorporate them both. You have to listen to the other side. You have to incorporate both sides of it in order to have sound doctrine. It's not either or, it's both. Watch this. So by faith, by faith we understand. In other words, you have no understanding outside of faith. The things of God are understood by faith. It is the avenue of faith. It's the avenue of what we would call ex nihilo. The doctrine of ex nihilo where God creates something from nothing. And if God creates something from nothing, then by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Now I'm going to, I'm going to break that down for you. Okay, So you as a believer that says all things are possible, then you have the ex nihilo in you, the doctrine of ex nihilo, that God creates something from nothing. It's, that, it's, the, tipping, it's the tip of the spear of faith. Now watch this. Because Hebrews chapter 1 gives you the element of what, how important faith is. The ability to believe that God can do 
anything at any time, and he did. So by faith, watch this. He says this, by faith we understand, neo, that's where you get the word neuro from, neo, by faith we neo, we think, we, 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 we think this thing through, but it has to come through the avenue of faith. That's why when you're rational, that's why, that's why knowledge gets in the way of so much, of so much. Why? Because we try to reason away a reason. It's called the enlightenment period. In other words, if it doesn't make sense to the mind, Okay, if God, if, if I can understand God and he can make sense to me, then I will worship it. I'll believe him. That's what, that, that's, that's rationale. I can, I can, I can put the one, one plus one equals two. And therefore, now I can accept that as God can do that. Miracles, blow that theory away. Because you have to believe that God can do anything at any time. Even when it mocks your understanding, that's why I say God. Well, that's why um, uh, what they call uh, dispensationalism. In God did it this and this this dispensation. Now we're in the dispensation of grace. We're not no longer under dispensation of apostles, and and they chop it up to where they can understand it. But that's they. It's not what God's word says. The Book of Acts is written in continual sense, not in dispensational sense. The move of the Spirit is, is for all generations. The book of Acts is for all generations. That's why the book of Acts doesn't have a period on it. But watch this. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed, were framed by the word of God. The worlds, before by it, the elders obtained, we're talking about the elders. Then he's going to tell you about the elders. He's going to tell you about, he's going to tell you about Abraham and Enoch. And he's going to go down the list of Moses and David. And you, you know, Hebrews chapter 11, those are the elders. How did the elders get a good report? Okay. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. In other words, they framed their life. Okay. Kararitzo. Kara means to come down. In other words, the command of God came down on them and they made their life fit into the God into God's word. In other words, in other words, God told them, This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna build an ark. And what did what did Noah do? He framed his life around God's word. He made his life fit God's call in his life. Now watch this. Let's break some things down for you so you get it. I'm, I know I'm getting getting a little close to an hour. I haven't done an hour in I don't know how long, but I'm going to do one hour today, I guess. And um, I hope you enjoy this. But this is for Memorial Day. This is how important knowing and mem mem uh, memorializing correctly. Okay? So it says this. Watch this. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds. Now this word worlds, okay? Because right away you want to go back to creation. Okay, you want to go back to creation. Okay, that, that, that would be correct if it was the word cosmos. Cosmos. Cosmos means planets and stars, and that has to do with the creation uh, yeah, and the order of things. But this word, the, the, this word, worlds, is the Greek word aeon, which means an era or a time. So what this scripture is saying, that every elder had a world. See, you heard that, you heard that thing, not in my world. Well, you don't live in my world. Well, guess what? What you're really saying is aeon. That's what you're saying. It says, I have a period of time. And in that period of time, I'm going to frame my life around God's word. 
I'm going to fulfill my course. I'm going to frame. I'm going to build. I'm going to do what God called me to do. What the word of God has commanded me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to fit my life into God's word. I'm going to fit. I'm going to frame my life around what God has called me to do. I'm going to frame my life. I'm going to fearlessly frame my life. I'm not ashamed of the framework of becoming like Christ. Watch this. Okay? By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are not seen were not made by things which are visible. So then again, he begins to tell you that if you frame your life by what the word of God comes down on you, kata means to come down, the command comes down, ritzo means to fit. So when it comes down, I got to fit in. That means I got to lay some things down. Sometimes the, the frame is narrow. The frame is, is not big. And guess what I got to do? I got to lose some spiritual weight. I got to drop some pounds and, and squeeze that word in. Even when it's uncomfortable, I got to frame my life according to the word of God. Now, why is that important? Because see, if now, with that mindset, when you see, you see David, David framed his world. That's right. Moses framed his world. Noah framed his world. Every, every one of you that are listening to the sound of my voice, you have an aeon. You have a time that God has given you to frame your life under his word. Now, this is important. This is important to the context of memorial. Because the cloud of witnesses. Okay? So now we have, we have this. Now you can read. You can read all the, you can read all the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. And it makes sense now. Abraham framed his life. Sarah framed her life. You go down, you go down the list of all the, the guys that, that, that were named the heroes of faith. They were heroes because they framed their life. I know my mother framed her life under the word of God. I know many of you are listening tonight today that have people that gone before you that framed their life and when you think of how they lived you should live in that same manner don't forget that watch this i'm closing right here like every good preacher i get i get three closings hebrews 11:35 says this woman now this is again this is the end of of um of all the heroes of faith because he's talking about all the people we know. Samson. He talks about Samson, Gideon. He talks about all these great men of God, Joshua. He talks about all the things that they did. Now watch this. He says, Hebrews 11.35 says, Women received their dead to life, raised again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better, resurrect better resurrection. Still others ha had trial, mockings, and scourgings. Man, sounds sound familiar? Yes, and the chains of imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheep's, uh, sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the desert and in the mountains, in the dens and in the caves. Now watch this. Now watch this. All these, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from 
us. In other words, by you living faithful to God's word, you make their sufferings make sense to them. That's why they did what they did. That's why your mother and your father live faithfully so that you can live faithfully, that they may be complete because they, we are, they echoed the message to us. They, they echoed the truths of God's word to us. And we now echo them to the next generation. So that when we go into the cloud of witnesses, guess what? We sit there and we watch and we say, yes, they're getting it done just like we got it done. They're doing and they're fulfilling the call of God just like we did. Yes, it was worth the suffering on this earth so that they could walk in a greater dimension and a greater blessing. Listen, we must live to be memorialized by our family, not in an idolization way, but in an ideological way. Where we have lived in certain ways that mark and imprint who God is to our families in them. What God has done in our family in them. And what it means to be part of the faith that was in me and in them you got to put some rocks down you got to lock some things in because those things when life gets tough and you may you feel well, man I suffered you know I've been lonely I've been I've been destitute I've been yeah so we're all these this is what faith is all about that you stayed faithful to God you framed your life and when you frame your life you teach the next generation how to frame their life. And I like what it says at the end of, of verse 35. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. I complete the cycles of my mother. The things that she deposited in me. The great men of God that went before me. As they see me completing my work and I'm me framing my world, my world, my time, my aeon, my era with the word of God. I don't care what happens. I'm framing the word of God. I don't care if people don't understand it. I'm framing the word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm under the kata, kata kariso. I'm under the, the, the word that came down on me and shaped me and making it fit. I'm making the word of God fit so that I can make my generations and I can echo a fitted word to my next generation. Well, Memorial Day is absolutely amazing when you live a life worth dying for. Well, God bless you. We'll talk to you tomorrow and we'll get back to the 11th commandment. See you later. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye.